Hello, everybody, and welcome to Care Talk. My name is Laura Packard, and I'm the executive director of Healthcare Voter. And on this show, we answer your questions about healthcare and health insurance, and we also talk about larger issues in the American healthcare system. Today is tax day, so we'll be talking a lot about taxes. But first, let's get to some viewer questions. Marlene wants to know, will Medicare pay the $250 copay uh, for my colonoscopy? What about financial assistance for those whose income is uh, $19,000 or less? Now, this answer comes from Diane, uh, who is not on the show yet. So uh, from Diane Archer from uh, Just Care USA and Social Security Works. For almost all outpatient healthcare services, Medicare pays the bulk of the cost and you're responsible for a 20% copay. Supplemental coverage through Medicaid, a former employer or insurance you buy called Medigap will pick up that cost. If your income is under $18,600 or 135% of the federal poverty level, there are programs that might be able to help you with your Medicare costs. Your income is so close to that amount, it's worth checking to see if you qualify for assistance. Contact your Medicaid office for more information. You can also ask your physician if they're willing to waive the copay in your case because you cannot afford to pay it. Our next question is from Mimi, who wants to know, why is it so difficult to get a second opinion? I'm in a community insurance group, and if I want a second opinion, either it won't be covered or I'll be sent to another member of the same insurance group who will not provide an independent second opinion. Uh, Zoid from Health Sherpa, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, so um, I'm not, when you say community insurance group, I'm not entirely sure what kind of insurance you mean by that. Um, however, I, I can tell you that, um, you know, in general, you should be able to get a second opinion um, with your insurance plan. So if you have an HMO, meaning you have a, a primary care physician that's coordinating your care, um, you should be able to still get a referral to see a specialist um, from them. And if you're not satisfied with your primary care physician, um, even if you're in an HMO, you can change your, your PCP at any time. Um, and then if you are in an EPO plan, meaning exclusive provider organization, um, with those plans, um, they're, they're similar to HMOs in that you can't go out of network. Um, there's still a network of physicians to choose from. However, um, you don't need a referral to see a specialist. Um, and there are some HMO plans where you can also see a specialist without a referral. So um, you should still be able to get a second opinion. Um, and if you are having trouble finding another doctor in your network, um, you can go out of the network. Just know that you, you will obviously be paying more. However, in some instances, some there are some doctors who will um, have a... a a lower fee if you are um, going to them without. Great, thanks. Uh, our next question is from Violet, uh, who wants to know, uh, please, can we push to reduce the $171 a month um, cost for Medicare Part B? It's killing us seniors. Our meds are high and uh, deductibles are high and Medicare Advantage uh, is not, not good for me. Please. So the answer uh, to that, about $11 of the Part B monthly premium this year was intended to cover the cost of Adjuhelm, the new very expensive Alzheimer's drug. The people who set the premium assumed Medicare would cover the drug, uh, but thankfully Medicare decided not to cover Adjuhelm uh, without uh, more evidence uh, that it works. 
except for people in clinical trials, because of the high risks associated with it, including brain, brain bleeding and the lack of evidence that it's beneficial at all. As a result, the Part B premium should come down to 160 a month. Uh, hopefully this year there will be a change, but we don't know uh, if or when that will happen. Uh, next question is, uh, when is open enrollment? Uh, if you don't have insurance right now, uh, how can you get covered? Zoid? Yeah, so open enrollment um, for Marketplace or Affordable Care Act insurance is normally in the fall, usually starts in no um, November, um, and then goes to um, some years it's gone until December 15th. This last year, it went all the way to January 15th. This administration extended the period. Um, however, there are instances outside of open enrollment, or which is called special enrollment period, where you may still be able to enroll. So usually you would need some sort of qualifying life event um, that's typically related to a loss of coverage. So perhaps you lost your job and lost your insurance with your job, or you had COBRA um, from a prior job and that COBRA ended. Um, and then there's also other life events like getting married, um, moving to a different state, um, so those are all, um, events where you may, may now be able to enroll. And then there is also a new special enrollment period or kind of new category, uh, for folks, um, who have a lower income. So if your income is at or below 150% of the federal poverty level, which, um, for a single person is around 19,000, um, in the year and for a family of four is around 40,000, um, you, and uh, you may now be eligible to enroll any month um, outside of open enrollment period. And if you're already enrolled in insurance through the um, Affordable Care Act, uh, you may be able to change plans if for whatever reason you're not satisfied with your current plan. Um, this is true in most states. Some states that run their own marketplace um, or state-based marketplace. So California is one that has covered California. New York has New York State of Health. Um, so if you live in a state where you don't go to healthcare.gov, you go to their own website, um, they have the option to do the special enrollment period. And so you would just need to double check on their website um, if, they will, if they're doing this in your state. Um, Great. I was just going to say, so big takeaway, if you're, if, you don't, if you're not insured and you're not sure if um, you're eligible to enroll now, um, call healthcare.gov, call us at Health Sherpa, and we can help you figure that out. Okay. And uh, if you um, make a, a below a certain amount, you might be eligible for Medicaid too, and the enrollment for that is year round? Yes, that's right. Um, so that is um, in states that have expanded Medicaid, which is most states, it's 138% of the federal poverty line, which I know is quite a specific uh, number. Um, and then there's also other categories that might make you eligible, um, such as, you know, being disabled, um, being a caretaker of young children or other family members. Um, so there's quite a few reasons you may be eligible for Medicaid. Um, and the nice thing about um, Marketplace is that um, if you fill out the application there, it will also check to see if you might be eligible for Medicaid. So you don't have to go to a bunch of websites, call a bunch of places. You can just go to one place. And that's true on Health Sherpa as well. Our application 
um, does that. Great. And yes, you can enroll at any time throughout the year. And our next question is from Shahir. I have someone that is currently enrolled in Medicare with Part A. He is trying to enroll in Part B also since he wants to enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan. He's been on his wife's employer's insurance, which due to their divorce ended on March 31st. How can he also get Part B? And uh, Diane says he can sign up for Part B by calling Social Security or visiting Social Security online. He has eight months to do so during the special enrollment, the Medicare special enrollment period. Uh, so next uh, for tax day, I am delighted to introduce our special guest, Maura Quint of Americans for Tax Fairness and Unrig Our Economy, who's going to talk some more about tax day and uh, our health care and our tax system and how uh, they're all intertwined. So Maura, take it away. Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, yeah, it's tax day. It's a big fun day. Everybody's celebrating, right? Throwing tax parties and, you know, breaking out the tax tree or no, probably not. Okay. But it is tax day and it is a good day. It's a very patriotic day. Uh, it's a day when so many of us are paying into the system and paying our fair share. We are settling up with the IRS and we're paying what we owe. Most of us are, but not all of them. There is a whole group in this country who don't pay anything close to what would be considered their fair share. And that group is billionaires. Billionaires are on a whole different sort of system and they're doing very, very well for themselves. And for the most part, they're able to not pay any taxes at all. So I kind of wanted to talk through that a little bit. I know this doesn't sound like it's healthcare, but it is. And I'll explain why. So bear with me here on the tax part of it. But over the last two years, we had a pandemic and uh, people have been struggling, they've been suffering, they've been working very, very hard to take care of their families and uh, facing all sorts of difficulties. And during that time, billionaires were profiting. During the pandemic, uh, the wealth growth of American billionaires has gone up $2 trillion or 70%. The 740 American billionaires are now worth $5 trillion. That's 50% more wealth than the entire bottom half of the population of 165 million people. They've profited tremendously. And right now, under our current tax system, almost none of that will likely be taxed. A member of the top 10 billionaires in this country made in one single minute about the same, nearly the median household income earned for a whole year. They're making about $75,000 a minute. Like right now, as we're talking, a huge amount of profit. And people talk a lot about how that's just sort of on paper, that's just wealth gains, and that's true. But it's not just on paper because those types of wealth gains that they are earning are somehow buying them a tremendous amount of things like super yachts and sending them into space. And somehow they're able to take this wealth and turn it directly into things that they can purchase and touch and have and spend. The way that billionaires are doing that is that they're practicing something that we call buy, borrow, die. They buy up stock or businesses or whatever it is, and then they borrow against it. So as their uh, gains increase throughout a year, they're able to not sell it where they would face capital gains taxes, but simply get a really low rate loan on that and take that money and then spend it on things and live off of it and never have to pay any taxes on that. And the way that we have it set up right now, 
they can continue paying or continue avoiding paying taxes on that until they die, pass it on to the next generation, and it starts over again, completely tax-free. So they're completely avoiding paying into this system. It's not particularly fair. Here's the other thing. All of that money that the wealthy are hoarding is going somewhere else as well. In the, sorry, I'm going to back up. In 2010, in our 2010 presidential election cycle, this is before the dawn of Citizens United, billionaires provided less than 1% of all contributions to that cycle. In the 2020 presidential cycle, billionaires contributed nearly one out of every $10 spent, which means all this wealth that they're hoarding is going towards playing directly into our political system. They're investing into the policies and the elected officials that they want to see govern. And what happens then is billionaires are able to take that influence what is happening. For instance, those policies include things like the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or as we like to refer to it, the Trump tax scam. That's a tax scam that gave huge, huge corporate tax cuts and allowed all sorts of companies, massive companies to benefit greatly. And pharmaceutical giants like Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Merck, and Abbott benefited from an estimated $7 billion in the year following the 2017 tax law. Now, those pharmaceutical companies said, oh, we're going to take our tax cuts and, and all of our extra earnings. Don't worry, we're going to invest it into the, uh, the, we're going to give it to people. We're going to let it trickle down, if you've heard that phrase. It didn't. That's not what happened. What they did was took their profits and invested back into their companies and invested back into their shareholders in the form of stock buybacks. And in fact, did not lower the price of any sort of goods. And so instead, they just stuffed their own pockets. It didn't benefit the rest of us at all. Where are you guys? Sorry. I keep looking for other people and it's just me up here. <laughs> I'll keep talking. But um, taxes and healthcare are deeply, deeply tied together. We also then have Republicans who are continually fighting any sort of healthcare measure that would help people. For instance, they're fighting to repeal the ACA. They're fighting against expanding healthcare coverage. And the reasons that they're doing that, <laughs> the reasons that we're doing that is that we pay for all of these benefits by taxing the richest. And it is more important to give tax cuts to the wealthiest than to help all of the rest of us. And that's the thing that they've continually been prioritizing and continually do prioritize. So taxes and healthcare are deeply, deeply intertwined, as I know Laura knows very well, because we've certainly talked about these before. Um, but we actually have the opportunity as well to change this whole system. Um, as we're looking right now, just to sort of inject a little bit of hope into things at the moment, because it feels very dire to me, at least a lot of times. But we actually um, have had quite a few different policies that have been uh, suggested that would increase taxes on the wealthiest and would increase taxes on corporations. And once we start to increase those taxes, we have more money that we can then invest into making sure that things like prescription drugs are affordable for people and that individuals have the ability to have health care, which so many people have to skip because of the cost of it. People are skipping prescriptions, as you all very well know. Um, the Build Back Better Act that Biden put forth, it passed in the House. It's now at the Senate. We don't know what's going to happen there, of course. But I will say in there is a corporate minimum tax 
which is something that would demand that corporations start paying a bit more of their fair share into the system so that they are not able to dodge these taxes in the ways that they have set up for themselves. And when we talk about corporations and billionaires dodging taxes, we don't mean necessarily that they're like going around and doing anything really underhanded. They're doing it all very much in the open. They're influencing the policy to create the loopholes and create the low tax rates so that everything that they're doing at the end of the day is legal. But it's legal because they have made it legal for themselves to pay a much lower rate than the rest of us. And that's simply not right. We don't need a tax system that prioritizes wealth over work, which is what our current tax system does. I'll stop with my very long monologue if there are any <laughs> questions or we want to chat here. Absolutely. So uh, there are some specifically egregious tax breaks like uh, hedge funders uh, have, have various loopholes. And so one of the reasons why uh, we don't have enough money to pay for universal health care in America is our broken tax system. And billionaires are a policy choice. We can choose to have very, very rich people in this country. And that means that too many millions of Americans won't have health care. Or we can have a more balanced system, like most other countries do, where the people at the top pay their fair share, and they provide health care to everyone. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about some of the terrible tax breaks that rich people have right now? Oh, gosh, there are so many. I mean, when we talk about it, there's just simple things like the rates being lower. So Billionaires, I talked about the um, buy, borrow, die strategy. One of the ways that the very richest make their money is earning on capital gains. And they only have to pay taxes when they sell their capital gains. So when they sell stock and they profit off of it, they pay a capital gains tax. That's the majority of the sort of tax that they are actually paying. Whereas again, the rest of us are paying under an income tax. You get a paycheck and a certain amount is taken out of it. The thing is, the federal income tax rate that we're paying is higher than capital gains tax rates. Those are not the same tax rates. Capital gains tax rates have been purposefully lowered so that when they do sell stock, so I mean, as a for instance, um, Elon Musk had many years where he has paid no taxes, but people like to point, well, you know, this year he did, he paid, he paid some taxes because he sold a tremendous amount of stock and he made some profit off of that and he had to pay. But he still had to pay at the capital gains rate, which is not the same as what he would have paid if he had just gotten that money as a paycheck like you or I had. So that alone, the capital gains rate being a lower rate than federal income rate is a way that the wealthiest have put into the system that they can benefit more than uh, than we can. And then there are additionally a ton of tax incentives, tax breaks that get manipulated and used so that if they sell a particular amount of stock and have a loss that they can show, they can claim a lower amount of rate, even though they're still borrowing on the tremendous wealth gains, they can offset what they have to pay. There are a ton of ways to do this sort of thing. And uh, high-end accountants get paid very, very well to just root out every possible way to avoid taxes and, and do a fantastic job at it. Um, but I think one of the things I like to really underscore is that our tax code is not static. This is not the way it is and the way it's always been. In fact, we've had a ton of changes to our tax code 
over the course of 40, 50, 80 years, however many. And we've had higher rates on lots of various areas of tax uh, in the past. Our federal income tax rate, the top marginal tax rate, has been as high as 90%. It's far, far lower now. We've had these types of changes. And over the last 40 years or so, they have just consistently been lowering taxes for the richest. And we can reverse that. We can start going the other way. We don't have to just accept this as how it is and what is best. We can absolutely turn this whole thing around, but we all have to kind of call for it together and ensure that when we're talking to electeds, this is something that they are prioritizing, something that they care about and something that they make a priority. And there are some proposals that Congress is looking at right now to reform the tax system. So uh, what should people be doing if they think that we should tax the rich and help pay for health care? That's something that people should be asking all the time when they are talking to candidates, when they are talking to their electeds. I know that uh, almost everyone I know who is deeply involved in caring about our healthcare system is a self-advocate. Laura, obviously you are a fantastic model of that. And I know so many people who have gotten very involved because they needed to, because they had to, because they recognized that this was an injustice, this was not right, and they needed to personally do something to change the system. And it's one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. And every time I get to speak to a healthcare activist, it's a tremendously uh, fantastic thing. And again, tr very inspirational. And what I think all of us need to do is start asking as well about taxes because they are so intertwined. So whenever we're doing that outreach, bring it up. And right now you can even ask because there are several policy proposals that are out there um, Senator Wyden from Oregon has a billionaire's income tax. We should be asking our senators, do you support this income tax? Do you support a billionaire's income tax? Are you going to push for it to be in whatever passes through a bill back better or whatever the next bill is? There is a proposal right now in the House from uh, Representative Jamal Bowman called Babies Over Billionaires, which is also a billionaire's tax. It's got a great title too. So it's a, a good one to latch on to. We should be asking, and especially as we're in the election cycle, because we're always in the election cycle and we've got another election coming up this year. When we're talking to candidates, we should ask, is this a priority? Do you believe in taxing the rich in order to fund healthcare priorities? Do you want to tax billionaires so that the rest of us can afford our health needs. Um, I think that's something that we should all be doing. And then additionally, um, if you go to taxbillionaires.org right now, um, Americans for Tax Fairness has just launched a whole campaign that is specifically calling out taxing billionaires and specifically advocating that we get policy passed that will actually raise taxes on billionaires and on the way that billionaires make their money. So you can get involved directly by signing up, but you can also get your electeds to sign on to this pledge that they will do that. Thank you. And Zoid? Yeah. So I have a, a question kind of related to what you're talking about with you know, the fact that the tax code is changeable, um, which is you know good and bad and that we can change it, you know, to change these rules and, you know, tax billionaires more, but that also means that it, it can be changed back later on. And that's something we're, we're currently running into 
um, with a policy um, that is kind of colloquially called the family glitch with the Affordable Care Act, where, you know, if you have an offer of affordable employer-sponsored insurance, then you're not eligible for the tax credits on ACA plans that make them more affordable. But the way the affordability is currently calculated, it only looks at how much the employee um, is charged for just an employee plan. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look like at how much the whole family would have to pay, but the affordability ends up still applying to everyone in the family. And that's something that, you know, there's a proposed rule out to change because it is just an, it's not in the actual um, regulations, you know, the actual ACA, you know, laws, it is just in the IRS rules. Um, But then there's a lot of worry of, okay, we could change it, but then it could just be changed later on. And so I was just wondering, you know, if that's, you know, what are some ways to kind of, um, not, I'm trying just to protect against that, I guess, um, to make these um, more durable changes. That's a really good question. And obviously, it's an ongoing concern, because we've seen a lot of attempts at policy reversals of, um, of tremendous things like, again, with the the attacks on the ACA, which uh, should not be happening, but are there and allow it to be vulnerable. And unfortunately, or fortunately, um, our political system doesn't really allow us to necessarily codify in any sort of permanent way um, that is realistic for us to necessarily approach. I don't think we're going to be looking at amending the Constitution for a tax law just yet, hopefully, but um, but there's there's not too much there. So what I think actually we need to be doing is we need to be recognizing that this is an issue we need to be talking about because the more that we generally recognize the popularity of things like taxing the rich and the more that we underscore uh, societally how unfair these things are, they start to become more accepted. And the more that we have public opinion in our favor, the harder it is for electeds to really make these changes and reverse these types of policy. And when we're talking about taxing the rich, we are seeing that it's very popular. Polling across the board shows that people believe that it's not fair that the wealthiest aren't paying into the system at the same rates as the rest of us, and that they do want for us to pass some laws that tax billionaires. And we're seeing that as popular, not just the Democrats are for it and the Republicans are against it. We're seeing it over 50% popularity across the board. So even an over 50% of Republican voters believe this is something that they actually support. So I think the more that we can be uh, calling for these things and the more that we can be holding electeds accountable to doing them, the harder it becomes for them to then uh, turn on these and and repeal things and um, make an effort. And Again, I think that's something that we've seen really clearly in the healthcare industry because it has been the strength of activists and grassroots and people shouting that has kept the ACA uh, in place and that has fought off those types of, of attacks. And generally speaking, I think when it comes to taxes, a lot of times people are a little bit nervous to talk about it. They feel a little bit inhibited, like maybe they don't know enough, which is wrong. We all know enough. We can see very clearly what's fair and what's not. We can see very clearly that this is simply not the way we want it to be. And so people should definitely just feel empowered to be talking about it as much as possible. Absolutely. Uh, And the tax cuts for rich people that passed under the Trump administration in 2017, it was close. 
it, it very nearly didn't happen, uh, just like it was very close the other way in trying to repeal uh, the protections of the Affordable Care Act. So your voice matters and uh, keep speaking up so that uh, the next close fights, we win them for a fairer tax system in America and so that we, we can have health care, the health care that we need. Thank you, everybody, for watching Care Talk. Please keep calling and texting in your questions and we will answer your health care and health insurance questions in future episodes. And thanks for watching Care Talk. <laughs>